With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams. Niche nonsense. Or surprisingly brilliant. You decide. The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The cult Scottish football podcast now adapted into a hit TV show. Search the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now. The summer's behind us. How did that happen? But football is back. Beer 52 are celebrating this by generously offering free beer to you, the Newcastle Natter listener. They're offering eight craft beers sourced and curated from the best breweries on the planet free. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash Natter and just cover the £5.95 postage. Beer 52 is the world's most popular craft beer discovery club with over 150,000 members that they sent a brand new case to every month. Every month's case has a different theme. Past themes have included uh, beer from New Zealand, South Africa, Korea, all over the USA and Europe, and uh, the American Civil War. No, that was a joke. As an independent British company, Beer 52 are passionate about the UK craft beer scene, which they continue to support during this difficult period. If dark beer is not your thing, you can simply choose the light option, and your case will come with the award-winning beer magazine Ferment and a tasty snack. Don't worry, though. If you do change your mind, you can pause or cancel your account at any time. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash natter to get your first case of eight beers for £5.95. That's www.beer52.com forward slash Natter. Welcome to the Newcastle Natter. My name is Fergus Craig, and I am joined by, live from his bedroom, Paul Doolan. Hello. And live from living room, Dave Watson. Dining room, come on. Oh, you have a dining room, Dave. Congratulations. Of course we do. Thank you. You want, you want to knock that through, have a nice big room? We're going to knock through the kitchen and do a big kitchen diner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the dining room... Get an island. 
I've bought Get an Island, yeah. Except uh, <laughs> podcast recordings are probably the only thing keeping dining rooms alive. Our dining room is uh, the most, uh, uh, what's the word, extinct? Neglected. Neglected uh, yeah. room in Britain today, right? It's gone the way of the pantry. Very much, yeah. I mean, what? Yeah. Do you, do you have your dinner in the dining room, Dave? When we've got friends round, but we, we're using it as the work-at-home office space at the minute. Right, okay, that's fair. Which is weird, because Holly normally, my wife normally sits where I'm sitting, and I sit at a desk, which is in front of her, um, and it, it just feels like I'm being watched all the time, so I can't just, you know, fuck around on gambling sites or something. I'm just got to pretend that I'm working. So I just open up a spreadsheet with loads of football stats instead. Well, the good news is that uh, the opening conversation in this podcast uh, is, has been more exciting than any of the football in the last two games. Um, uh, so let's talk about that. Uh, I, mean, I mean, that's not exactly true. Let's talk about, we've had two games, uh, one against Spurs in the Premier League and uh, last night uh, against Newport County in the League Cup. Spurs... Paul, did you get to watch the game? I did. It was another one where I had to watch it on a delay. So I ended up fast-forwarding through a lot of the second half, which I'm sure you understand why, having watched the full game. But you didn't go ahead and actually uh, look for the uh, result? No, it was an odd one. I had three text messages from a Spurs friend. So I immediately thought, well, we've lost then. Because he's the sort of person that goes very quiet if we beat them. So I was going into the end thinking, well, we've lost 1-0. It's not the end of the world. And then got to the end. And it was, it was a little bit like Christmas. <laughs> and he got more than three texts back. Whatever, whatever uh, any of us thought about uh, the performance on Sunday against Spurs, the ending, Dave... It was hilarious, right? Am I right? That's the way I looked upon it. I found it absolutely hilarious. Dave, did you find it funny? Yeah, it was, it's fucking ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous for a multitude of reasons, not just the fact that the new handball law is bizarre. I should clarify in case um, you're, you're listening back fondly to some old Newcastle Natal episodes uh, from our apocalyptic future and um, have forgotten exactly what happened in this game. Uh, we were 1-0 down uh, for the vast majority of the game, and then at the very, very end, uh, after a weekend of uh, strange uh, handball incidents leading to penalties, after much of our analysis, uh, Andy Carroll headed the ball against Eric Dyer's Arm, uh, while in a whilst Eric Dyer, I mean, you can describe it. Goes in, Go um, Andy Carroll heads it towards goal. Eric Dyer's got his back to Andy Carroll, it hits his arm that's in a quote unnatural position. But there's no way Eric Dyer can get out of the way. There's no Eric Dyer doesn't even know that the ball's there. Like, this was not intentional, it's a ludicrous law. I'm pleased that Steve Bruce called it out himself, but. Yeah, for that 
for the goal for the equaliser to come in that manner when we'd been shit for the entire game, we hadn't had a shot on target, we barely made it into their half, for us to snatch, to steal, to rob a point was that's fucking hilarious. And and of course all the characters involved like Andy Carroll and and Mourinho and Steve Bruce is a hilarious figure at the best of times. Like everything that that was just fucking hilarious. Bizarre. It was brilliant. It's what football really needs. Just idiocy and bizarreness. Well, this is the thing. I mean, I'd, I should probably preview the fact that at some point in uh, today's show, I am going to go into a very long moral rant, uh, which not a single person in the whole world of football will agree with. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, but uh, yes, it, in the moment, it was hilarious. There is a lot of po-faced sort of, uh, oh, the game's gone and this uh, ruins the game of football. And uh, maybe it does. And it doesn't seem a sustainable set of circumstances. And if I was watching it, certainly as a Spurs fan, and almost certainly as a neutral, I would say, well, that is just wrong. And I mean, it was wrong. But as a Newcastle fan, it was, it was just quite funny to see. I feel like we've done that quite often, cheated a result at Spurs away. I was, yeah. at, one. I was, I was at one where I was in the Spurs end and I can't remember whether it was uh, another late equaliser or it was a winning goal. I think it was. But Perez got one at the very end, undeservedly. I felt like we've done it. Well, there was, the, 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 the stat that left out for me was um, Carl Darlow made 12 saves and he was only too shy of the Premier League record for the number of saves in a game. And that record was set by Tim Krull at Spurs in 2013. So it could have been that game you were talking about, but yeah, it's just, it yeah. They battered us. Looking for the, looking for the positive. It was, <laughs> a, it was a, a, the greatest indicator of what kind of a game it was, was that Carl Dardo was a, by a million miles, a player of the match, probably the player of the match. Right, Paul? Did you enjoy Carl yeah. Uh, yeah, I was quite reassuring. It's the best game Carl Darlow's had for us by a country mile. I think we came into this season thinking we're not sure about him. We're going to miss Dubravka. And that doesn't seem to be the case at all. It, I don't think it was as one-sided as the Tim Krull game. It was incredibly one-sided still. But it was just funny. But it's it's enjoyable at the end in the way that probably... Terry Waits hostage relief was enjoyable. There was a, a lot to drudge through before you get to the enjoyable bit. And it's, it's hard to forget. I think it's one of those results that you'll enjoy more with time the further you are away from the 93 minutes that went before the penalty. I felt like it was a lot like, and this is maybe watching Newcastle at the moment in general, it, it reminded me a lot of watching England in that when we do have the ball, we, we, we don't keep possession a lot. I just happen, you know how you just end up singling out a player personally and maybe the stats don't bear it out. I just kept on noticing Almiron give, out, or give away the ball in situations where the pass was quite easy. He just gave away the ball really badly after, after letting me down, having demanded him getting a starting play. It seemed like there were a lot of instances where when we had the ball in midfield, 
where there was an obvious pass on, an opportunity to pass it forward, not a difficult pass. And instead of just making that pass, we took that extra couple of seconds to think about it and ended up passing it backwards or just giving it away. Yeah. I mean, to, to back up your thing about Almiron, he was what he was one of the most guilty for giving away possession. Um, and like you say, anecdotally, it was in places where he, you know, he was giving away possession where there was an easier pass on. Shelby was another one that was guilty of giving the ball away quite a lot. But then most of his um, straight passes were higher risk. You know, there was, you know, he wasn't looking for a short pass. But I think that that, that comes down to a, something that I've talked about a lot. And that's, I just think it's bad coaching. The, the, the setup isn't there. And I think that's why the so many passes were going astray and we weren't making the right decisions. I think both of those things are problems we've had for the last probably at least four seasons, though, if not longer. We seem unable to play any kind of short passing game. Shelby, especially at the minute, is doing that thing that he's done every season, probably less so last year, of coming so deep that he's behind our defenders. But he's it's giving him a 70-yard pass that he has to play every time. The reason his passes are so many so high risk is because he's always putting himself as far away as he can from any forward players. It just feels like we should be set up to counter-attack. But as soon as we get the ball, anytime it goes to our midfield, Spurs were just pressing them. And then mm. when it goes to our wing-backs, like Matt Ritchie and Javier Manquillo, every time they got the ball, would look to go forward, not have a pass on not have the ability to beat a man, so just pass it back to a centre-back and then we hoof it up. That yeah. seems to be what we've done for the last two games for 90 minutes. Well, the, the thing that you mentioned about putting teams under pressure, if you're setting up as a counter-attack side, one of the things that you have to do is put the opposition under pressure when they get to a certain point. And we're not doing that. We're not chasing them down cleverly. We're, like You've got players who are putting in the effort, but it's, it's like headless chickens. They're all over the place. And, and say with and the exception were, of Isaac Hayden. Yeah, he's he's the only one who knows his position and his role. He does that. But then I, I wrote it down. It's like um, we allowed 36 passes, like Spurs to have 36 passes per defensive action that we took. So like a tackle, a foul, uh, any kind of pressure. 36 passes we allowed them to have before we put them like... Per, per like pressure that we put them under, whereas they they as the the home side, they were they were only letting us have ten, so it's that, that's indicative of a side that's that's passive, that's just letting the other team play their way as much as they like, and maybe what hoping for a, a, a chance to appear out of nowhere or for one of our better players to to spark it, and which I think I that's mean, my big issue. I think that that is a system we have played before, albeit with worse players. Under Rafa, he was he quite often said the game plan against the bigger teams was hope to be in with a chance in the last ten minutes, and that's what we were, and it led but to he, a point. But even then, under under Benitez, and I don't want to get into the Benitez versus Bruce argument. I, I wanted to make a criticism purely about Bruce's side. Under Benitez, even though we were set up to defend and, and try and you know, snatch a, a point or maybe just keep the, the score down when we went to Man City or Spurs. We pressured them. As soon as they got into our half, they were under pressure. We, we kept um, forcing the, the 
the, the opposition player with the ball into areas where they could do least damage. And I remember the game against Man City. We spent the entire game forcing those uh, their wide players to stay wide rather than cutting inside. Uh, sorry, forcing them to get inside rather than keeping them out wide. In you're, that talking about of, a game against Man, you're talking about a game against Man City a couple of years ago, right? Against Rafa. Yeah. Uh, with Rafa. Yeah. With, under, under Benitez, yeah. That's what, that's what we were trying to do is to put them under loads of pressure to force them into the congested area so we can defend easier. Whereas under, under Bruce, we're not putting the pressure on. Okay. Uh, should we... I mean... <laughs> I mean, I'm... I'm, I'm I, I would I'm, say... I'm, as. I don't quite agree with that. I'd say they're almost identical performances. I think under Rafa, we weren't doing any closing down until they were in our box. We were basically forming a bank of nine players and saying, pass through that. But I think the, the one thing we had in those performances that we didn't is two central midfielders who could do the running and the tackling and could cope with being overrun. I think the problem with Shelby is he's not that type of player, which makes it a bit trickier. So, that's just I, I know you, you, you disagree you disagree and it's your right to disagree but I've looked at the stats and defensive like the, the passes per defensive action under Benitez was far less than they are under Bruce we did apply pressure and, and you were saying that oh it's only when they got into our box and it's nitpicking but it's essentially when they got about 30-35 yards away from our goal that's when we applied the pressure because that's when it became a dangerous area under Bruce. There is no pressure until, well, there's just no fucking pressure. Okay. Um, I've, I'm really holding back on my rant right now, but um, <laughs> I'll preview that for uh, after the break, I guess. I know the, the listeners should, should be able to see your face right now because it's, it's just like steam coming out your ears and you go on beetroot. It's beautiful. Once the rant starts, it's all over. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> You might as well all just go to bed and I'll just go on. <laughs> <laughs> so keep listening for that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know where it is. Basically, I'm not going to start the rant now, but I'm going to explain it a little bit. We had a WhatsApp conversation uh, during the Newport County game last night and I found myself like, Dave and Paul weren't aware of it. I found myself like really, really wound up. <laughs> I've been thinking about it for like 24 hours or something. I think it's just like this is where I broke in like lockdown and, and just the coronavirus. That conversation about the Newport County game broke me. It's nothing to do with football, but I was just, no, you're all wrong about like the whole rest of the world of football. But um, I mean, before we get into it, that is, that is how discourse on everything works at the minute. If something's hmm. not your opinion, it's wrong. And we're all entrenched in different positions, thinking the others are wrong. No, no, we're not, Paul. No, we're not. Why would you say that? <laughs> well, um, yeah. Shall we talk about the Newport game then, and then yeah, we can like, yeah, and that'll lead us yeah. straight into it, and then we'll, we'll have a break. Um, we'll have an ad break. Give Fergus time to get his gloves on. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, the Newport County game. Uh, go on, you two talk about it for a little bit and then I'll just start. <laughs> I missed the beginning, so I came into it with us 1-0 down against 
League Two Newport County, <laughs> thinking, here we go again. Uh, yes, uh, Dave, we went 1 0 down. Uh, Mark Gillespie error, correct? Yeah, I mean, there were, there were a few errors in the build up, but yeah, it, it, like, it comes down to Mark Gillespie let one in. And it's, it's I mean, it's. It is, it's one of those things. It's, it's a cup game. Shit can happen. Um, Shit, because he had a he was the um, the the shining light of the Blackburn performance. I think we were yeah we were pretty impressed with him there, and everyone was feeling very positive about him. <laughs> as is the way with football, um, people have good games and bad games, and he had that one error after uh, a nice shot which hit the bar. There was a rebound. And uh, he just looked like he did sort of, I don't know, it was an odd dive. It looked like someone sort of diving for the first time. I think it's what I would have done if I'd been put in goal. Exactly. Yes. I felt like that. I like, oh, I guess I better dive. Uh. Um, and Kraft didn't do very well to. Um, He's not Kraft. a centre back, though, is he? I think Kraft's our centre back experiment continues. Yeah, I'm not sure why. It's like they're whatever they're doing with vaccines, where you have to completely test it before you can release it on the market. It feels like we're doing that with Kraft at centre back. You have to rigorously test it to be certain that it doesn't work. Sure, we're basically I apart from the results, but Kraft and Gillespie were the only sort of weaker parts of the selection. It was. Not far off a first team. Yeah. The Premier League oh, 11, I would say. Sure, although uh, a month or two ago, you wouldn't have said that uh, Jacob, you wouldn't have necessarily put Jacob Murphy in that category. No, but he's played his way into that category. Probably the season. Player, yeah. Um, I, I think the, the, the positives to take her is definitely Murphy. I thought Murphy had a, a good game. He was one of the few players I thought who took responsibility and like would was looking for the ball and then looking to do something with it beyond just lumping it forward to Andy Carroll. Because Andy Carroll up against two lower league centre-halves, he's going to have a hard game because he's not as mobile as he once was, he's not as physical, and they're used to physical centre-forwards. So, he did manage um, to take out two of their players at the yeah. same time at one stage. <laughs> well, he's still a wrecking ball, but he's just... I thought, yeah, I just wanted to say, like, Murphy... I thought Murphy did really well, and I thought that when Joe Linton came on for the final half hour, I thought he and Wilson... Um, their introduction just moved everybody forward they, because the, the centre-backs needed extra help against this like £60 million worth of Premier League talent that's just been brought on. It moved the, their midfield further back, which allowed our midfield to move further forward and meant that John Joe Shelby was in the right place to score an absolute peach of an equaliser. Uh, if Andy Carroll was a darts player, Wrecking Ball by Miley Cyrus would be his entrance song. Yeah, just throw that yeah. in there. Yeah, um, but uh, no, it surely be O'Carroll. Maybe Wrecking Ball's a lot more. It's got a lot more oomph to it, hasn't it? Yeah. Uh, now let's not beat around the bush here, guys. Um, you both felt that it was a, and as did the whole of the footballing world, think it was a terrible performance, right? Yeah. Yep. 
to, to elaborate, go ahead. I've got nothing to tear you apart here, by the way. I'm, like, I'm, I'm acting like I'm about to pull this thing out. Like, <laughs> Aha! Well, I, I can think prove you'll that I you do feel like are... you're on the witness stand here. Yeah. No, I'm... It was fucking terrible. I'll, I'll do it. I'll, right, yeah, go, I'll put course, my hand yeah, in the lion's yeah. mouth. Because he, this was a League Two side who... Um, who came up against what we just had said, it was like basically a Premier League eleven. We had sufficient experience on the side in Carroll, Shelby, uh, Fernandez, Manquillo, etc. etc. We had plenty of experience there. They should have been able to grab that game by the scruff of the neck. A, not concede fucking early with a simple goal. And if they ha- even if they had conceded early after, after you know a, a mistake, an error by the keeper, they should have then very quickly known how to put the, the opposition under sufficient pressure to to, to equalise and then take the lead. We shouldn't have had to wait until the 87th fucking minute for John Joe Shelby to pull a worldie out his ass to get us an equaliser to take us to fucking penalties. It was a terrible performance, and it was the players deserve a lot of criticism because some of them didn't look like they gave a shit. But the manager has to take the, the lion's share of the, the, the blame because not only did he not set them up um, well in the first place to to get to identify weaknesses in the opposition, he didn't make any changes until like the 60th minute. And the changes that he did make were essentially, fuck, I'll throw on the strikers. There, there wasn't guile, there wasn't gra- their class. There was just, oh, he, he's a fucking terrible manager. And we will suffer for it. And we are suffering for it. It was it was shit. Paul? I don't quite agree with that. I don't think it's all on Bruce. I thought... I don't, no, no, no. I didn't say it was all on Bruce. I said the, the players deserve some criticism because they some of them went hiding. Jacob Murphy was one of the few to responsibility. But a lot of the blame has to be on Bruce. Well... I don't know, we're, just, we're very inconsistent at the moment. I think if the blame is on Bruce for this, then the, all the credit for the 7-0 has to go to Bruce and all the credit for the West Ham game has to go on Bruce. But I don't think it's, I don't think it's all about him. I think a lot of players, the way we set up wasn't great. Shelby, again, kept coming far too deep. And it's, we seem to just wait for them to come onto us. We seem to have 11 players who don't know what to do on the front foot. I don't think that can right. be on Steve Bruce because that's happened under the last two managers at least. It right. seems to be a problem with our club. We're not able to dominate games all that often. And our, as, much, as good as Jacob Murphy was, he reminded me a lot of sort of Goufran and Obertan, which like getting into great positions and then pinging it in any direction, hoping this for the is why best. It reminds, me of Eng- it reminds me of England so much because it feels like it's gone on for years and under mm. different managers and with different players, you end up watching similar performances where um, our players seem ponderous and we seem sort of uh, addicted to, we just seem to end like though there were those years under Rafa and Pryor where we kept on hitting long balls to Perez and it does feel to me like under a lot of our games, you could play that brass band at England games. It would, exactly. it would feel exactly the same. It's so Englandy for me. But I think why I, this, this game annoyed me more than a lot of the cup games where we've lost to lower league opposition, because this was, we were finally treating the cups with respect and selecting a strong first 11. Before, that's never been the problem before. So I'll, I'll tell you right. 
I'll tell you where I um, uh, split uh, from you, Dave, in the WhatsApp group, where it all and where like it all started tumbling down for me, and then I started just looking at the whole thing irrationally and getting quite emotional. Um, The um, (laughs) about Paul, you joined the game about half an hour into it and asked how we'd been doing, what was going on. And we were one nil down. And I felt like I was watching a not very good performance, an underwhelming performance against Lee 2 opposition. You'd expect it to do better. I did feel like for the whole game, I felt like we're probably going to win this. I honestly felt right until the end, I felt like we were going to get that goal. I felt like it was going to happen. I felt like... No one else thinks this, but I felt like it looked like it was coming the whole time. But you said, yeah, said no, Dave, I didn't. I didn't get that at all. No, I know. No, that's why. <laughs> no, that's why I, I'm seeing a different game to everyone else, right? But like, Dave, you said it right. Paul, you asked how it was going, and Dave, you said that they uh, that we were getting outplayed by a League Two side. I just could not comprehend how anyone could be watching that game. And think that was the case. Like at that time, I'd watched, I'd looked at the, and then because I was so like, how am I seeing something completely different? And then I like looked at the stats, and it was like we were dominating in possession at that point. We had like spent our whole time in their final third. We had like had four shots on target. They all they had had was that one incident where they'd hit the bar with a shot from outside the area, a really nice shot. And then from a rebound, our keeper made an error. From then on, we were pretty underwhelming. But I just, I, it's that thing, this is, and this is where I'm, well, should we have a break? And then I'll just get really emotional. Yeah, let's do that. We'll you have, have a break, you have a little... then you have a breakdown. Yeah, and then I'll have a breakdown. Yeah, let's have let's have a break because it's just going to go on and on and on and on and on. <laughs> if you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr. Bean and more Steve McQueen. Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Welcome back. Good break, guys. Scary break. Yeah, nice. Scary? What happened? Just the uh, the calm before the storm of Hurricane Fergus. Calm before the storm. Well, listen, I know I didn't know how to, like, put it into words to express myself. So I've written a song. And uh, I want you guys to uh, hear it. It was uh, the girl again. <laughs> Are you Newcastle's Lawrence Fox? 
you would hope as a Premier League side against a League Two side that we would not be one uh, nil uh, down until the 85th minute. Obviously, you would hope that we would have been able to take the game by the scruff of the neck and we would have done a lot better. And yes, I completely concur that we were out tacticked whatever. But then we like got a lovely goal near the end and then we had a penalty shootout and we won a penalty shootout. That is entertaining. That is like that is an enjoyable thing to watch Newcastle win a penalty shootout. But in the moment when the penalty shootout was happening, we were having like an argument on WhatsApp about the game. But I feel like as a football fan, like just enjoying sport, I feel like I feel like I really want to go to a game again. And like, you, at least you get like it punctuated by away from all this like analysis and, and like, you get like the moment of like the release of seeing a goal and cheering it and having that shared moment. And it's like, I feel like now it's like, even when we win the game, I feel like the whole world is sort of telling me that that wasn't good. <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know. I feel, I feel like I come at sport and football to like enjoy it. And like the first time I ever went to a game was uh, Everton away in like 99, 2000. And it was Bobby Robson was managing us. I think it was 99, 2000. And we won 2 0 away at Everton. Kieran Dyer and Didier Domi scored. Do you remember him? But I remember. At the at the uh, at half time, I nearly said the interval there, which shows you that at my core, I'm not a football man. <laughs> uh, Always theatre. Yeah. <laughs> half time, I was having the time of my life. It was my first proper Newcastle game, first team. I was getting to actually go to the game. I was like so excited. And at half time, I heard a regular match goer on the phone to his wife going on about we need to go back to the 50s because it's fucking shit it's all this it's like just on and on and on about how shit we were it was like that was us in like one of the peaks one of the rare periods in our whole history as a football club where we were like a top four side and I just feel like fundamentally what we are as a club is an average top division side that is what we are and what we will always be and we might have odd little spikes in our history when we get like a a season where we finish fifth under Pardew or we have like amazing like couple of years under Keegan or whatever but like to carry on sporting Newcastle it's gonna be like this like for years and years and years it has been like this for years and years and years I feel like the negativity is like doing my head because on on a pure level, I can still enjoy it because it's like sometimes you score, sometimes you don't. I don't know that I'm just that's where I am. I do th- I I do agree with a lot of that, but you in the way that some fans are cherry picking only the negatives from every game. You seem to be cherry picking only. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, completely. Which is is a good way to be happy, but a lot of football fans don't watch football and go to football to be happy. 
I know. I, that's the thing. I can't. I can't um, beat my way of looking it into it, looking at it into the rest of the world. And it's my. It's really weird that I'm now moaning relentlessly about other people moaning, and that like, and that that bothers me so much. It's like I used to go and watch Orient a lot, and I remember going to an Orient game, and the it, within the first five seconds there was a misplaced pass or something with it, or we played a pass that the guy next to me didn't like. And he was immediately like, fucking hell, it's fucking shit. And it's like, it's about something else going on. You're here just to complain. But I think and, at the moment being a Newcastle fan, it isn't like, it's not business as usual in terms of some fans are always going to be unhappy. A lot, of fans have stopped going to Newcastle because of the direction of the club. A lot of lifelong fans don't go anymore, even if it the is. stadium was open. A lot of, we're in an era where we're being run terribly. And I think what may have tipped the balance for a lot of fans, oddly, is all the takeover talk that's happened. I completely agree. It's forced people to engage with thinking about being back at that level we were at for most of our Premier League life, let's not forget, we weren't. We never used to be a yo-yo club. Yeah, most of our Premier League, like the Mike Ashley era, has objectively been miserable in many ways. Most of us, all of us, came to football right in the early nineties, so we were lucky enough to experience uh, like decade of Newcastle being an exciting team that competed near the top so there's an added misery for a lot of Newcastle fans that were no longer that kind of a side and I get it that Mike Ashley I've whinged about Mike Ashley a lot it's been miserable but now I like I want to keep supporting Newcastle and enjoying it just as like a, just a pastime to enjoy supporting the club and the whole takeover thing I, I just felt like we're so often just not talking about football well we're talking about like the takeover and then we're talking about stats and I'm not talking about this podcast I just mean like Newcastle fans in general but I think if we behaved more like a normal club we wouldn't be talking about that stuff but if you look at Football's always going to be ups and downs. You look at fans of, say, West Ham and Everton, they have moments of being very miserable for years on end. But then if things go, but if things go yeah. badly for those clubs, their board roll the dice on a manager who they think is going to be an upgrade on what they get rid of. We don't do that. We're not playing, we're not playing the sport in the same way as everyone else. So it's, it's hard. You feel like you're being gaslit by your own board which I think is the key difference for us compared to a lot of teams. There's other clubs that have it a lot worse, but it's, you can't manufacture enjoying it if you feel ground down by the club. No, yeah, Yeah. and you can't, and no one can help the way they feel about it. And, uh, And it's very easy to make the case that we have been like completely uh, abused as fans. I think where I agree, especially this season, a lot of people have completely made their mind up that Bruce is going to be our worst manager ever. So even any positive result that normally you'd be celebrating now gets met with 
Bruce is the luckiest manager we've ever had, or that wasn't, that's just going to keep him in the job longer. There's some people who aren't getting any positives out of supporting Newcastle anymore. And it's hard to it's hard to be in a pub celebrating a 2-0 win and then going on Twitter and just seeing a timeline of pure misery. Because then you just you feel like, like you're missing something. Like walk away. Yeah, but what is it? It's so it's like, I, I, sorry, I will go go on, Dave. Go on. So I just wanted to pick up something that you mentioned earlier. So that you 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 get your enjoyment from watching football. Yeah. Forget about the the fucking takeover or, or stats or anything like that. So I, I, I'm the same. I get enjoyment from goals, from um, good chances, good passing play, like good defensive performances, like big crunching tackles and stuff like that. That's where I get my enjoyment from. I'm like, yes, I reel off stats because they back up an argument I've got or whatever like that. That's not what I'm doing during the game. During the game, I'm watching the fucking game. I'm enjoying the game. I'm enjoying getting in the spectacle a bit. I'm enjoying chatting with you, knobheads, on on WhatsApp about what's happening in the game. My problem is that I can see that this bunch of players can perform better than they are. And I know that you think that, like, I'm not giving Bruce any credit, but I'm watching the, the football and I'm not seeing good football. I'm not, I do, I, I have and been, I can't enjoy bad football. I just can't do it. It's it's like the shit that we saw under Carver, the shit that we saw like in the bad times under Pardew. I could still enjoy when Pardew put in a good performance. Like the, the the one I always uh, reference is the the game against Swansea, where Pardew set up a team to be um, hit them on the counter attack, and we pulled that Swansea team apart, and it was brilliant, and I fucking enjoyed it. I can't enjoy the shit football that I'm watching because it's shit football. The only problem Even the with game that, against West Ham. Yeah, go on. I would say, I, I know I'm going to bring this back to Rafa again, but it feels like as a fan base, we all collectively went for two years. We're going to put up with the shit football and we're going to enjoy it. The this majority is, is of the football talking. under there, well, at least 60% of the games felt like shit football, especially in the Premier League. <laughs> I think that there has to be a distinction, though, because it was negative football. It was pragmatic football. But the reason that in Benitez's last season in charge, the first 10 games, we didn't, we didn't win. But we could see what he was trying to do. We were defensively solid. We were only, uh, like, we, if we lost the game, it was only by the odd goal. And if we were, in the other games, we were drawing, we could see what, Benitez was trying to do. He was making us defensively solid. We were trying to hit the striker up front. Uh, and then for him to bring the rest of the team in play, we could see all of that. But Hosselu wasn't up to scratch. I don't quite see it. Hosselu went on to be a good scorer the next season. And as what you've got the same people who would see not winning in the first 10 games and thinking, don't sack this manager. And Steve Bruce getting four points in the first three games. And the same fans being like, we're never going to sack him. This is typical. Because I don't quite... Because the, fan, the fans can I, I, see I, the difference. The fans can see the difference between uh, four points from the first few games where, frankly, we didn't deserve anything um, against Brighton and we got nothing but a hammering and we didn't deserve anything against Spurs and we somehow got a point. And we met West Ham on a terrible day for them because they were abject. I mean, we said it on the podcast that they were fucking terrible. We were just better. We still weren't good. We still weren't putting the, the, the nice string 
nice pass. I together. think we were. We just were better than them. I don't think that this side under Bruce will beat a Premier League side unless they're having a bad day. But this is this is the thing we don't know yet. We're writing off this this squad of players under Bruce, and he's never had his first eleven fit to even try. I think it it's unfair to completely write them off because of what we think about Bruce. The same way it's sort of counterintuitive to think we're going to be amazing under Rafa because of his record. Again, but going back to my like completely unique and really cool way of looking at football. <laughs> so carry on the funds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you say it's shit football. I'm not making an argument that it isn't shit football. I'm like perfectly happy to yeah. To accept that it's shit football. And I'm also perfectly happy to accept that other people find that football difficult to enjoy. Um, I just, I personally, I would much rather we were a Guardiola style team. I would much rather we were like we were under Keegan or Bobby Robson or whatever. But I'm still able to enjoy us getting a point or three points or, or scoring a goal. And I, I feel like what's happened is, and we can have the whole Rafa versus Bruce thing as it will always happen. But like, it, I feel like what's happened is accumulatively over, over years and years of Ashley, we've had um, lots of things to be miserable, miserable about, lots of bad decisions by the club, lots of underwhelming managers a lot of a, a couple of relegations then we had and we can argue about it but then we had a manager who was loved by the fans for whatever reason playing what i happen to think was incredibly similar football but fine and we had a manager that was uh, loved by the fans and then he went and then we had a manager who uh, is one objectively not a top echelon manager and there's nothing to he has no stats to back him up on that yeah i don't think any of the current premier league teams would have hired steve bruce which i think something definitely has to be borne in mind i completely concede that two a fat ugly man who seems like he's from another era and is like very unfashionable i think that I honestly think that comes into it. There's no glamorous excitement about Steve Bruce. He is a joke. It doesn't, it doesn't, uh, brand Steve Bruce does not like yell, we're moving forward as a football club. I get that. But I do think that like Steve Bruce, because of that baggage, gets a lot of unfair criticism where people are immediately ready to pounce on the slightest thing immediately in the way that they wouldn't be with other managers. And there is that very recent example of Rafa Benitez. Then we had the takeover where we all got, during lockdown, where we all got carried away with that for months because there have been so many takeover battles over the years. And then this one, didn't happen and then the season starts and it feels like as a fan base we're sort of chomping at the bit to be like it's shit and it's like it's not good 
I completely concede that. It's not good, but I just want to enjoy it as sport. But I, th- I think that the, the big thing that you mentioned just there was that you can enjoy things in isolation. The, the equaliser against Spurs, you can go, we got a point there, and that was fucking hilarious, the way that we got that point. And you can ignore the other 95 minutes. Absolutely. You can, like, forget about it. I can't. I can't do that. And I think, I think I'm not alone in that because I know, I've, I've, that was I'm, funny. I'm the one who's alone. I completely admit it. I'm fighting against the tide here. I'm, I'm the anomaly here. I but, I, but, I want to, but I wanted to make it clear. This isn't me saying, um, oh, I, I wish I still, we still had Rafa Benitez. It's not about that. My, my criticism, and I've been, I've been trying very, very hard to make it a criticism of Steve Bruce not in comparison to Benitez. It's just about the way he plays. I can't enjoy this football um, in, it, in, it, in its entirety because I, it's just bad football. And it's going to, if, if nothing changes, it's going to eventually lead to another relegation or it's going to lead to embarrassments at much better clubs than, than ours. And I, I don't want that. And he's not going anywhere unless we get unless we look like we're getting relegated or are relegated, and that that kills me because it's like I, I'm not asking for an elite manager. There are plenty of coaches out there who played much better football than than Steve Bruce, who are available to us, amenable to joining us, affordable for us. Like we could have got Potter, and he's playing good football. Hassan Hootel, we could have got him. Could have got loads of coaches out there and we've gone for a fucking dinosaur who plays dinosaur football where he basically throws 11 men onto the pitch and cheese them up a bit that's it he's not a good coach and I can't enjoy his football I think that is very harsh on Steve Bruce I think that's writing off all of last season where we comfortably stayed up and then dropped off as soon as we were safe and but it, it wasn't, now, it wasn't, but it wasn't, it wasn't comfortable, mate. It, we it were safe it was, with plenty of games to spare. Because of the, because of the results, that, like, because of the points that we had on the board, not because the football was any good, not because we deserved to be where we ended up. <laughs> that's like, okay, but that's so weird. That's so, that's, and I, I imagine most Newcastle fans would agree with you, but that's so weird. It's like, yeah, but we only were comfortably safe because of the points on the board, which have nothing... To, as if that has nothing to do with it's the, the same metrics that last season showed Man City should have won the league by about 18 points they didn't because that's not how it works no because football isn't fair it isn't, it isn't played on a stat on a, on a spreadsheet and I totally understand that but we relied so heavily on good fortune or unbelievable performances by our keeper instead of playing Half decent football. We were shit. We were terrible for the majority of the season. We were like performance metrics and it's stats, and I know, but we were like comfortably third bottom or, or worse in basically everything. And it was it was bizarre that we finished where we did because by all reason we shouldn't have. And it, and it owed to things like the the ninety seventh minute penalty that got us an unfair draw away at Spurs this season that was happening last season when we got like two goals in in the 90 plus minute against Everton to snatch a draw from what was and should have been a comfortable 2-0 loss for to, against it, Everton and I also think that's, the win against that's Chelsea. not quite the same though the Spurs one 
is a law not being interpreted right the Everton one we the players that we selected scored goals during the match it's not it's not unfair that we scored them but and also I suppose unfair is the wrong word but it's it it, it just feels like we 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 stole it we stole the point there we stole the three points against Chelsea there were countless examples where we we snatched a point or a win when we didn't deserve it, we didn't play but that's good football. Where, where fundamentally, that that's like that's where we completely see football differently, and it seems that I see it differently to almost all football fans, and it's not just Newcastle fans. It's like to me, I look at that, and that's like fucking brilliant, amazing. Isn't that really good that we got like goals? I mean, that means that like our manager is better than their manager and whatever. I don't care. I don't care. I just like I enjoy that. Like, we looked like we were going to lose a game. And then, amazingly, at the very end, we scored two goals. How did that happen? Isn't sport incredible? I would say in all of those games as well, we'll have been the underdogs going into it. So it's it's not like we're being steamrolled by teams. I mean, we've been outplayed more than we should have by certain teams when you look at the two 11s. But almost every game we play in the Premier League, most of our players wouldn't get into the opposition's first 11. Well, I I have to say that, like, we've got players in our 11 that would get into other teams in the Premier League, and we have consistently finished, like, between 10th and 14th, which makes us a mid-table side. And I'm happy, fine, we're a mid-table side, I'm okay with that. But then you look at the football played by other mid-table sides, and it's markedly better than ours. It's only really Burnley who play... Um, a less attractive style of football than ourselves. And even theirs, you'd say, well, it might not be attractive, but there's a game plan. With with Newcastle under Bruce, there's no fucking game plan. I can't, I can't. There's nothing there for me to go, well, at least we've got that. At least we can do this well. I can, almost every like direct footballing point, I can concede, right? I don't, it doesn't look like we have a great game plan. I think there are managers out there who could set us up in a different way. I mean, you look at Brighton now and there's obviously something going on at Brighton. That's quite exciting. I think not not just their performance against us. Mm -hmm. They like seem to have a game plan as a football club and on a not massive budget. They're doing something right. So great. Good for them. But like, I don't know. It's just the negativity. I'm just talking about negativity and football in general because I think most fans of most football clubs do this, right? For years, we're still outperforming teams who are outspending us. So we're not completely underachieving. We're doing that as well. And it feels like it just, it just, I feel like it's gone on for years and it's, got, as a, it's just got so accumulative where it's now just so negative. Like for years, who are the players that this that we as a fan base laid into for years? We laid into Sissoko. We hated Sissoko. Sissoko was awful. Sissoko was a joke. And then Sissoko goes to Spurs and becomes one of their better players uh, and, and gets to a Champions League final. Uh, Perez was... And I, I know we were always quite nice about Perez on this podcast. I think we defended him quite a lot. But as a fan base... Perez was a target. We were always after Perez. Now Perez is in 
a side that could well end up, I think, challenging for the Premier League, possibly. They're certainly going to be up there in the top four, Leicester. But we're just, it, we're just so eager to be... And every single season, we start with like, well, we're going down. We're going down. It's obvious. There's no way we're staying up. We're going down. We're going down. I don't think we'll go down. I think we... I think most of those seasons, though, the bookies have had us close to going down as well at the start. Sure, yeah, fair enough. And even if we do go down, well, where we go down, and then we have a great season in the championship, and it's fucking fun. I I, I understand where you're coming from on that side, but again, if we go down this time. There's no guarantee that we're going to bounce straight back up. There's not a guarantee, but that's sport. I don't know. I don't, and it's, and I, it's I know diminishing this, returns. I know, this, I know this is, sounds weird to most people. I just... So uh, what I wanted to say about it, one of the things is like scapegoats that you mentioned there, like Sissoko, Perez, and we've had it for years. I mean, I remember... Every football club Warren has Warren Barton. Yeah. Newcastle fans. Everyone every, does. Every, everybody's got them. I think what the Newcastle fans now, they hold... Um, they're having a go at Joel Linton because of his massive price tag and also that he doesn't seem to be putting in a shift. I completely lay into I, Joel Linton all the time, right? So I am not, I'm guilty as, you know, of this as well. What I found is that when, when the team was playing well under, um, under Hutton, for example, there wasn't that search for a scapegoat because all of the players were working together and it was like, we were the underdog in most games that we played, but we were playing to a plan and the plan was obvious to everybody and the players were grafting. And it's that banner again. We're not expecting to beat Man City. We're not expecting to win every game. We're just expecting a team, a club that tries, right? And I still think that's true. I think that just now, under Bruce, under Ashley, they might be... I don't doubt they're working hard on the pitch, but it's just scatterbrain. It's all over the shop. So it, they look like they haven't got a fucking clue. And so the, you can't have a go at the manager because he's only been in the club for like 14 months and that's not long enough to get his style of football in, in the way he wants to, which is bullshit. So they're having a go at the players. They're, they're, they're pulling out. Like I've seen stuff on Twitter saying that Wilson's not good enough. Wilson. Yeah, but you can, you can find any opinion on Twitter. That's this is, so I, I just think, like, the, what I take from this, Ferguson, correct me if I'm wrong, is that you, you can sit through a terrible 95 minutes of football, and if Newcastle United somehow nick a point at the end of it, you, you kind of like go, well, that 95 minutes of shit was worth it for that one point. Is that, is that right? Yeah, in a way. I mean, I'm not saying that, like, I can enjoy a football game under Bruce or whatever in the circumstances that we are as a football club now equally to a football game that I enjoyed in, like, 1995 or whatever when we had amazing players and put in these amazing performances or even in that one season uh, under Pardew when we finished fifth amazing you get these times as a football club where it's going really well but we're not a club that's always going to be up there challenging and I guess I and I know and I completely can see that that is not what football Newcastle fans are asking for I know that I I guess what happened is I accepted this a year or two ago that it is miserable under Ashley and we aren't we do have no ambition as a football club this is true 
and we are not like we don't there's no progression there's no game plan to finish to uh, in uh, to get to europe or whatever as a football club our only goal is to survive and i guess i've managed to like put that to one side and then still enjoy the sport do you know what I mean? The, still enjoy watching Newcastle and like sometimes we win, sometimes we lose. We're in the quarterfinals of the League Cup. Oh, we nearly went out to a League Two side. Oh, well, here we are. Who knows? Next I time, think I'm on... the ones who, who put in a surprising performance against a big side. I, you know. I think as well, it feels to me and again, this is going from Twitter, which isn't representative, which I think is part of the problem as well. If we could see fans in stadiums, I think it would be very different. That's the thing. I but I feel like as a fan base, we've lost our minds this season. Any other season, if we had unfit new signings, you'd be like, well, like we were with Rondon, where we knew it was going to take a while for him to bed in, and he did. It feels like after three league games, we've just gone, everything is shit, this isn't going to work despite the first league game being one that we dominated, I'm happy while we've got some of our key players out to get lucky points. I mean, we're still... It's not three games, though. It's not three games. It is, <laughs> No, it's not, though, because it was the entirety of last season as well. Which was fine. It wasn't fine. It was bad football. Like I've said, we weren't creating chances. We weren't scoring many goals. Know, this we were is conceding loads way, of goals. We were, we were fucking terrible. This is the thing where I perceive football different to other people. It's like, I, I feel like I have to watch us win and then get told why that's shit. Yeah. It's like, I feel like people get mad. When, I feel like the overwhelming feeling when Shelby equalised yesterday against Newport County was that Bruce is lucky and that this is bad. So this is good. Our team just scored. We support Newcastle United. We just got a late equaliser. Good. Let's enjoy that. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think if, if we'd got the late equaliser because we'd battering down the door and the keeper had been met, met, like we, we played good football. We, no, we, we, no we, because we... Everyone perceived it differently. And, I th- and this is, I think, an example of the negativity that allows us to perceive things in a way that they, that they're not actually happening right we in that game against Newport County we had 65% possession we had 27 shots we had 10 shots on target we had twice as many corners like i'm not saying it was a good performance but like to hear people talk about it it was nothing like that but that is what happened we had we were back ramming down their door and then we got the equaliser. That is what happened, but no one saw that because everyone's seeing, seeing it through the like um, funnel of shite. I don't know, dude, it's the same as everything. It's the same as politics now. Everyone's watching it through a prism of the baggage yeah. that they've prism decided what the people, truth is. Not funnel of shite. <laughs> funnel of shite. <laughs> But I think we're all watching it thinking we know what the truth is. So if you think Bruce is shit, you're watching it thinking this is going to confirm why he's shit. If you think he's not, you're going to go into it with that as well. Neither's particularly right. I'm not even like I'm not even denying that Bruce is shit. That is not my case. I'm happy to concede Bruce is shit. 
But, like, I'm not happy to concede that we weren't ramming down their door when we had 27 shots. Anyway, should we, uh, we're about to run out of uh, Zoom meeting time. So let's have another 40 minutes of rant in a minute. Okay, I think I, we're coming towards the end of this uh, debate because, uh, you know, I want to end this, friends, guys. Um, uh, but, uh, Dave, do you have any final uh, any final things that you want to say? I don't want to leave anything unsaid. So my my reaction to that is, look, mate, if you can watch Spurs game and your overriding reaction after that is is a feeling of positivity because we've we've snatched a point, all fucking power to you. That's that's grand. For me, and I think for the more reasonable people on Twitter who have been criticising Bruce and the football under Bruce, the, the issue is that it's unsustainable and that's a concern to me. And I can't watch that final 30 seconds of joy and not then be reminded of the 97 minutes of shit that preceded it. Like, that's that's where I'm at currently. And I think that the negativity surrounding the fan base is not just about the lack of a takeover. It's not just about the total lack of ambition by Ashley. It's not just about... Um, not signing the players that we maybe could have been signing. It's the the football shit. If the football was good, everything else goes away. Everything else is, is forgotten, but the football shit. And that's why I think the majority of the, the reasonable negative fans on Twitter are reasonably negative. Okay. I concede that the football is not good, and there's a strong case to be made that the football is not shit. It, the, the football is shit. I <laughs> I, I I just uh, inhale football in, or I I really long to and hold on to inhaling football in a way that seems to be quite uh, uncommon at the moment. Which is yeah. yeah, yeah. I think if we'd been in the away end for the Spurs game and it was a sellout crowd, it would have been one of the best games we've been to. It's a very different experience for having to have now because no crowds in the stadium. And I think we would have whinged the whole game and complained about every misplaced pass and blah, 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 blah. But we would have had that, like, shared outlet of, like, we got an equaliser and it would have been fun. And then we would have gone to the pub and we would have debated and complained about, like, uh, how bad we are at the moment or whatever but fundamentally we still would have got the joy out of it and that, uh, yeah yeah I think as well it, the football's not been great but the football's been very good in two games we've had a record away win we're in the quarter final of a cup and we're doing okay for points in the league it could be a lot worse We've played better and got less points before. We've played a lot worse and got less points before. But if Bruce is lucky, then I don't mind having a lucky manager if it means points. The football's not been good enough yet, but it's such a small sample of league games. We're already, we don't know how good Brighton are going to be for the rest of the season, so we don't know how much of an anomaly that was. Likewise, West Ham. And Spurs... Didn't they win like 5-2 before the game against us? There might be no shame in getting a shellacking off them. I just think it's too, it's too soon to be making 
big statements about how we're going to do this season when there was so much optimism, I think rightly, that we'd actually done good transfer business before the start of the season. So let's see how that... I want to see how that plays out before writing it off, I think. Sure. Okay, well, let's go to social media now. Uh, I'll quickly rattle through these. I imagine we've covered most of it. This is possibly on course for being the longest Newcastle nutter ever, so please do enjoy. You are welcome. Um, Alan Graham on Twitter says, question one, what's the point in following NUFC? Well, I think we've just covered that. (laughs) Uh, Um, Thomas Burke, but somehow we're all still following them. Um, uh, Thomas Burkan says, I fully support Steve Bruce's comments on the penalty against Spurs. One should speak out against pathetic rules all the time, not just when it suits your own team. He went up in my estimation after that. And uh, I think I think he did for everyone, right? Whatever you think about him as a manager and his football, um, that was all right, wasn't it? You know? I think if he wanted to be truly sporting, he could have let them, he could have said, miss the penalty. That would have been the really sporting thing to do. <laughs> he, took, he took the easy way out of saying this thing that was clearly, clearly a massive mistake. It was a massive can mistake. You ima- can you imagine him doing that, though? Can you no. imagine one? No, and I'd have been annoyed. That would come his way. And also, he would be the only manager to do that this season. But I think as well... It would have seemed bizarre if he'd come out and said anything too different to what he did as well. But no, I think it was nice. It was a nice... Although Roy Keane, the pundit, apparently was saying that, uh, well, you know, it's a terrible defence. Yeah, it's a penalty. It's a penalty. Because <laughs> um, Roy Keane is the world's biggest contrarian. Uh, Nick Bird says, in the eyes of his employers, is Bruce infallible? Is it the case that so long as we're not near relegation there is no chance of Bruce coming under scrutiny um, yeah I mean Bruce Bruce isn't going to get fired isn't going to get fired unless we are pretty much relegated or are actually relegated like I if mean, we'd gone out against if we'd gone out against Blackburn and had lost all three three games but we end up 17th Bruce would still be in the first it would still be the, the manager well also ironically if we do go down, then um, everyone says Bruce is championship manager anyway, so um, probably be the one we need. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think we'll... We've, we're not really a sacking team. It's true, actually, isn't it? We're not really... Not really we're since a, Allardyce. No, we're a... Um, a uh, we're always a club in chaos, but not usually because we've sat the manager. Paul M says, any good... Act- hang on a second, hang on a second. Are you all forgetting, like, um, Shearer, Hewton, uh, McLaren, Carver? Well, I would say McLaren and Carver were both allowed to go on for far too long when they clearly should have been sacked earlier. I don't think Shearer um, was technically sacked, yeah. he just wasn't called back. <laughs> no one got in touch with him. <laughs> but Hewton... Hewton? Yeah, I guess Hewton shows yeah, the way you get sacked by Mike Ashley is to side with the players and allow them any kind of power in the dressing room. Same with Keegan, I guess. If you do anything morally right, you'll get sacked. But I don't see Bruce going against Ashley and Charnley. No. No. Probably true. Paul M says, any good apps or games to play whilst the dreadful football that is in UFC goes on in the background? 
Um, I recommend joining a WhatsApp group and getting in your audience as a penalty shootout. Uh, I, I have to admit something here. I did like look at the the, the questions coming in on uh, on social media before we before we started this, and I was looking forward to how you were going to react to them after your rant. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Reverend Joe Kinsella. I love that we've got a Reverend follower. Says name one player who we would love to have self isolate. Shall we? Really? Yeah. Get them as far away from the first team as possible. Well, after scoring a screamer and saving us in the last game? Yeah. Okay. I think he makes us a worse football side. Um, I'm inclined to agree as well. I think we we did it before with him where it's just everyone looks bereft of ideas because the plan seems to be get it to John Joe and let him produce some magic. I would say Shelby or Carol, because they both have mm. a, a really detrimental effect on how we play, on the style we adopt. I think, um, though, if, 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 if Carol self-isolates, he, he's going to get really, really fat, end up walking down to a river with a bucket of chicken for somebody. <laughs> he does have that in him, potentially. Um, it, I, I will concede that with Carol... Um, it does feel like having him in the squad is leading us to play a style of football aimed at um, 2010 Andy Carroll. Yeah. We're not really a team of very good crosses either. I think that was noticeable in the Newport game. So many terrible crosses coming in. And even if they reach Andy Carroll, it's like 50p head. They just bounce off in any direction. It just it encourages to play to what looks like should be our strengths on paper, but is probably our weakest area. Sure. Although I feel like for years we've been playing long balls. Yeah. And it's not to have been playing them finally for someone who's over five foot nine. Um, but you would expect Carroll to sort of pick up where Rondon left off if he's fully fit, and it's not really looked anywhere near. Sure. Sure. Okay. Well, I guess consensus is Carol then, or Shelby. And I, and I can see what you're saying on Shelby. And who uh, scored that goal uh, last night and um, uh, cupped his uh, ears to the crowd that wasn't there. Apparently, uh, apparently was, that was aimed at the media. Oh. He's one of them, isn't he? He's just yeah. always fucking moaning. I mean, did you see the quote that you put out? Like, like, uh, like um, you said that uh, a couple of years ago uh, we would have been told to lump it into the box, but the, the gaffer wants us to play a bit. He's he's talking out of shit. Like he, we play on balls all the fucking time. Like Steve Bruce hasn't got us playing it on the deck. He's got us lumping it in the box, especially like you say with Carroll on the pitch. Oh, I wonder if he's got a shelving. I, I, sure. Okay, we are playing a lot of balls. <laughs> It's not really on, it's not on the debt, but we are doing what I would say is like the only style of football that's Steve, is the style of football that Steve Ruth probably go, grew up with is there is quite a lot of getting it out wide. Get it out wide and then get it in to the box. But last it's season... It's a sophisticated style of football, but it's not just long ball. Yeah. I much preferred last season, which was equally as basic a plan, but it was get it to St. Maximum and then let him run at everyone. 
that was entertaining to watch. I'd much rather we went back to that plan than. I do yeah. hope we get to see um, some Saint Maximin at his best this season. Hopefully, mm-hmm. just one of them players who's a slow starter. Um, and then one more on Twitter uh, from Andy Sheldon: Fathead Steve Bruce, Fathead Bruce is clearly stealing a living and thoroughly deserves the sack. But who would you replace him with? Who would be stupid enough to want to join the current regime? So uh, it, we're going to end the podcast on after my, after my hour-long plea for please just a modicum of positivity. <laughs> uh, we'll end it on that. Um, uh, I don't know. Who do you want? Go get Pochettino, have we? Pochettino, Pochettino. Um, I'll tell you who I'd take. I'd take the Newport manager. For sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think in a weird way, for the Ashley era, we're probably the most palatable we've been for a man. Any manager that has any sense to them previously would have gone not touching Newcastle with the barge pole. But I think the type of signings we made this summer and the amount of control we gave a manager would probably make us more palatable to that, to a level of manager we wouldn't have been a couple of seasons ago. Yeah, I think, I think that if, um, if, if, say, for example, if Brighton were to go down, I think we could nab Potter. You know, he's that kind of, you know, that, that level of exciting manager who's maybe restricted. I mean, we could get Howe. Howe would be interested in getting another Premier League job, certainly. Where is he? Um, um, self-isolating? I don't know, actually. Where is he? in Nottingham Forest, or have I imagined that? Isn't he just... No, you're thinking of um, Robin Hood. Yes, that's right. Hang on, is Eddie Howe not still... Bournemouth, did he leave Bournemouth? No, he left. Yeah, he got binned. Eddie Howe is... He's not not managing anyone. So, yes. He's unemployed. I'd I'd take Howe. He wouldn't, in fact... Well, I think the fact that you would take Howe actually aligns with... I would imagine that as a club, we'd probably go for him. I think he's a very... Yeah. We never... We've never gone for a manager that... I hadn't previously heard of. We always go for a name manager. It's just the name is not necessarily positive. Sometimes that name is Joe Kinnear. And he's already got that group of players relegated. So we could could do it. It's it's the kind of name that you expect to see above a pub which says these people are no no longer allowed to be served. (laughs) That's the list that we're going off. Sure. Joe Kinnear is on that list in most surely. <laughs> Joe Kinnear, John Carver, Steve Bruce. Like these guys, you, they're the type of person you know that they've shouted at bar staff. You know that they've been kicked out of the local. I mean, Joe Kinnear sounds like he's on there because it's a, a fake call you get, like in Moe's in The Simpsons. Is there a joke in here? Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> someone like uh, Graham Potter or... Um... What's the name of the Sheffield United manager? I thought you said, what's the name of the chef? <laughs> who's, who's this going to be? Ainsley, Ainsley Harriet. What's the name of the Sheffield United manager? Basically, I'm saying managers who I, I had... Thingy Adams, I think, isn't it? Right. 
Managers who no, are Sheffield United. Yeah. Chris Wilder. Chris Wilder. Chris Wilder. Yeah. Managers who I hadn't heard of before they were in the Premier League, you know. They're not the sort of managers that we end up getting. We don't get like young, cool, hot shots. Like Would you Greg. take Sean Dyke? Like Chris Wilder. <laughs> Would I take Sean Dyke? Mm. Uh I I would I yeah I, probably I would take Sean Dyche but surely Sean Dyche is is Steve Bruce again yeah. no, he's he's, he's unhappy than Steve Bruce, he's, except he like he, he I would concede that he's more he seems to have created more well drilled teams but it's not going to be attractive football you know? not attractive but effective. Sure, which if you look at the points table <laughs> for the last year is what Steve Rose does. No. <laughs> it's unsustainable. Well, he sustained it for a while, hasn't he, Dave? Uh, <sighs> well, this brings us neatly on to <laughs> Saturday night. It's going to be the battle. Bruce versus Dyche. Is there ever a game that deserved less to be played on a Saturday night? <laughs> the glitz and glamour. What are you going to wear for it? <laughs> Bruce versus Dyche. Wow, it's Blur versus Oasis. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, wh- whatever the... Uh, the the merits of Dyche and Burnley, who have uh, done really well over the last couple of years and been a very difficult side to play, they've not had a good start to the season, have they? No, no points at all. But then they've only played twice, so um, I don't know. They're not, and they've had a tricky start. You know, Southampton and Man City. Oh no, sorry, it was. Hang on a sec, who they fucking played? Oh, I have looked at this. They're I would say they seem off the pitch to be in uh, Leicester for the first time in a long time. Mm. Like, I think Deitch named quite a few kids on the bench the other week quite pointedly and re- like is desperate for more signings. They're, I think they might go down this season because I just don't think they've got the depth of squad that's going to be needed for such a congested season. Yes, mm. they've, uh, they've lost to, um, in the Premier League, they've lost to Southampton 1-0 at home and they lost uh, 4-2 away uh, to Leicester City. And yeah. the atmosphere is not great there. And you'd have to have them down as, I would say, bigger favourites to go down than us. I would say Burnley, Sheffield United and Fulham are in the bottom three. That could be the bottom three at the end of the season. Yeah, Whereas I think West Brom might do. I think it'll be Fulham, West Brom, and AN other from about three or four, including ourselves, Palace, Burnley, maybe. But um, Aston Villa um, against Burnley this time round. I reckon it'll be a draw. I reckon that um, they'll score and we'll equalise. Oh, by the way, do you see Aston Villa got Ross Barkley on loan? Good signing for them. It's a good signing. I was thinking mm, that would have been quite good for us. They got six points in two games, haven't they? Villa, they're looking 
I feel like if we were going to have a, um, if we were ever going to start playing four two three one, which I guess we did last night against Newport, we were going to start doing that. We we seem to be lacking a number ten, and uh, I, I think we're more lacking a number eight. Like we need a we need two central midfielders who are Premier League quality, and I don't think mm-hmm. Shelby is anymore. I think if you sort that out, then you've got Almiron, Fraser, and St. Maxman. Barkley could have also equally stood in for Shelby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. That, would, that is one we've missed out on. That... But you'd think as well, at some point, one of the long staffs has to start getting picked more in that Shelby role alongside Hayden. We've seen with Sean Longstaff and Isaac Hayden, if they're both in form, and that's a big if with Sean Longstaff over the last season. But they dominated Man City not too long ago. Not knocking on the door, though, is he? And 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 uh, no, I don't Shelby. think he was bad against Newport. Well, he was as bad as everyone else at Newport, really. But he's he's more disciplined than Shelby. Mm. But the fact that you know, and we can debate whether this is right or wrong. But the fact that Shelby got that late goal was probably kept him. In the start. Actually, that's that's the problem for me. Is like that that he'll be picked because of that rather than what the the team needs. Just like there are certain games where playing St Maximum probably wasn't the best idea, but we played him anyway because he was our best chance of a you know of an individual scoring a goal mm-hmm. rather than a team effort. So. Yeah, Shelby will go straight back into the side for, against Burnley, where realistically you need um, physicality and, and effort, and, and and you don't get that from Shelby. He's aggressive, but it's it's mindless aggression. He's already got two bookings in the league. He's only played three games. Okay, well, this pod, um, mainly thanks to me, is now reaching what I would describe as the length of quite a long film. <laughs> What uh, are your predictions for the Burnley result, Dave? Fergus Craig, favourite, 1-1. One, 1-1. One. One, one. Paul? I'm going to go 1-0 to us. Okay. I'm going to go 2-1. Two, 2-1 one. Two. Two, one to Newcastle and everyone's still miserable. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah, I reckon, I reckon two one. Why not? Why not? And uh, yeah, well, that's been uh, an interesting Newcastle, that uh, a little bit different to normal. We sort of um, with Lance Boyle, with Lance Boyle, maybe not, maybe not entirely. But you know, um, I apologise. I just, I don't know. I just had a lot to get off my chest, guys, and I appreciate you being there for it. Um, so uh, once again thank you very much Paul Doolan thank you thank you Dave Watson thanks Fergus and thank you to you the Newcastle Natter listener goodbye bye wasn't that a great podcast now if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day come and listen to ours it's called What Has He Said Now and is available wherever you got this podcast Sports Social Podcast Network.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.